food can help you live a long, healthy life, can re help reduce the risk of food-related illnesses in the Latin community, there is such a high percentage of people that suffer from type 2 diabetes. As I'm sure you talk to your community as well, these are things that could be reversed or avoided if a more plant-based, holistic, natural way of life is implemented. You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 252. Welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. I am your host, Dr. Yami, board-certified pediatrician, certified lifestyle medicine physician, certified health and wellness coach, author, speaker, mother, wife, and human being. I passionately believe in the power of diet, habits, and mindset in sparking and sustaining well-being and joy in our lives. This podcast combines expert interviews and thoughtful monologues to explore plant-based nutrition, lifestyle medicine, parenting, mindset, and other exciting and fun topics. I hope that these episodes inspire you, uplift you, and equip you with the knowledge and tools to live your best life. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Hola, veggie lovers. I have a really super fun episode for y'all today. I have my guest, Carla Salinari, who is the Latina health coach on the show today to talk about her new book, Abuela's Plant-Based Kitchen. Look at how beautiful this book is. It's so pretty. Ugh, the recipes look amazing. She is going to go live with me on Instagram and we're going to cook together and it's going to be so fun. So hopefully you can join us for that too. But who is Carla? Carla Salinari is a certified holistic health coach who specializes in the plant-based lifestyle. Carla works with clients to meet their health goals through a highly individualized approach that yields transformative, long-lasting habits. Her popular Instagram account at The Latina Health Coach inspires others to reconnect with their favorite cultural dishes in a healthier way. The enthusiastic response from followers led her to her upcoming cookbook, Abuela's Plant-Based Kitchen. She has earned a certification in holistic nutrition from the Institute of Integrative Nutrition in New York City, and she is a frequent TV guest expert on Telemundo and NBC. Born in California and raised in Miami, she now lives in Brooklyn with her husband and daughter. And y'all, Carla is so passionate, so enthusiastic. We talk about cultural dishes. We talk about how she eventually transitioned to being a plant-based eater, but she has a super interesting, fascinating story as well. We talk about some of the challenges that she encountered when she transitioned, talk about whether she's been an influence on her immediate family and friends. We talk about her book, why she wrote it, who it's for, and we talk about what she means by flipping her relationship with food, what her clients struggle with the most when they are making strides to eat more whole plant foods, and then we end it with her tips for people that want to start flipping the relationship with food, eating more whole plant foods, really great wise tips. You're going to love her. And I hope that you start following her. I hope that you buy her book, especially for you Latinas and Latinos out there that want some more easy plant-based recipes that have the flavors that you remember growing up. You want to pick up this book. Like I said, I can't wait to start making recipes out of it. So Veggie lovers, gracias. Thank you for being here today and for listening to this episode, for coming back week after week. To my new listeners, welcome. Thank you so much for checking out Veggie Doctor Radio. I hope that you stay, make yourself comfortable, kind of poke around at some of the older episodes and see what you can learn from here. So I appreciate you. And now let's welcome Carla Salinari. Carla Salinari, bienvenida a Veggie Doctor Radio. Dr. Yami, thank you so much for having me. What a pleasure it is to finally connect from, with you. I'm such a fan, such a fan. Uh, thank <laughs> you, thank you. Well, I'm a fan of your work now too, and I am so thrilled to have an early copy of your book. It's so beautiful and colorful and vibrant, and I can't wait to make some recipes. I have it open here to 
yuca con mojo because I love yuca. It's one of my favorites ever. So, okay, great. But before we get to your book and how you wrote and why you wrote the book, I want to know about your plant-based journey. Tell me all about it. Yes. So I am Latina, Puerto Rican, and my dad introduced us to this more holistic vegan lifestyle because he has been vegan since 1975. Like he has always been, I know he's been ahead of his time back and not only ahead of his time, but in a place where it wasn't understood, accepted, um, which was the island of Puerto Rico in the 1975, you know, this lifestyle was completely unheard of. And for some people, my grandmother included, was viewed as something dangerous, right? We have such a great family story where my grandmother used to tell my dad, Te vas a morir si no comes carne, which translates into you're going to die if you don't eat meat. And just a very concerned mother looking out for the well-being of her children implementing what she knew, right? The tools that she knew, the information that she had at that time. But my dad stuck to his principles and stuck to his philosophy. And he continued on this path. And still to this day, I mean, it's been over 40 years, he continues to live a very strict, vegan, plant-based lifestyle. And I was born into it. My mom comes from a very conventional household where they were meat eaters. And here she was marrying someone that was, you know, already into this lifestyle and trying to convince her that this is the way to go. And, you know, unfortunately they split when I was very young, but I've always been submerged in this world. I've always been, um, it's always been a part of my life. So Growing up, I split my life between my mother and my stepfather in Miami, again, the more conventional way of living. But when I was with my dad, it was back to the vegan, you know, tofu nuggets and dairy-free ice cream. And it was always just something that's totally normal to me. Of course, after I grew up, I quickly realized that this was the healthier approach, but in being able to have the exposure to both the more conventional meat eating side and the vegan eating way of living, I was able to make my own decision and realize that this was the way to go. This was what I wanted to implement for myself and for my family. And that's how I just, um, you know, titled myself plant-based vegan, right? But it really did start since I was born because of my father. Wow. Wow. That is amazing. What a gift that he was able to plant that seed. And I feel like that happens a lot that as children grow up, they have to go try different things and explore and see what works for them. But once they've had that foundational knowledge, it's always there available for them to go back to if they choose. So what a gift that is. But I'm so, so, so fascinated by your father for two reasons. One, (laughs) that he started this like a bazillion years ago when it was definitely so difficult. That's already commendable. But two... With a Latina Puerto Rican mob who was like, you know how strong we are. Absolutely. <laughs> like, Absolutely. Wow. He is a strong-willed man he if is. he was able to stand up to to his mama and be like, no, I'm doing this no matter what you say. That's incredible. Absolutely. Yes, he definitely stuck to his guns. And it's interesting because towards the end of my grandmother and grandfather's lives, they were mostly plant-based vegan. My grandfather until the end of his life was implementing a pretty strict vegan lifestyle. And my grandmother, in being the um, caretaker and being like a cocina en la casa, so the one that would cook in the house, she had to adapt to my grandfather's choice of meals, which were mostly plant-based vegan. So not having to cook for two people, she just slowly started adapting that way of life. And enjoyed the benefits of that as well. She lived a long life and I am 100% certain as is the rest of my family that a lot of that was attributed to the lifestyle choices that she implemented later on in her life. I love it. Mm -hmm. And what is your father's age now? And is he in good health? Does he feel like his lifestyle has contributed to his well-being? 
Absolutely. So my dad is 68 years old now, and I try not to overpromote him because it's anecdotal, right? Like, you know, yeah. we always have to try to be careful, but I'm like, this is how you can look if you don't eat meat and implement <laughs> a more whole foods plant-based lifestyle, which I say it jokingly, but there's some truth behind it. My father, knock on wood, has no health issues, doesn't take any medication. He also is very active and takes his nutrition very seriously. And he is just takes his sleep very seriously. So as you know, it's the whole package. It's not just what you eat, but how you go about your day to day. And for him, that's something that's really important. So yes, I mean, he is like the ultimate poster child for what can happen to you if you implement more of this lifestyle. And I mean, yes, yes, absolutely. And I talk about him all the time. He is one, he is the motivator of, of this book. When I had the idea to write it, he said, yes, absolutely. The world needs to see that you can enjoy your favorite cultural foods in a healthier, more plant-based way. And, you know, just having that motivation and support from my family, my dad was very, very instrumental in how all of, you know, my, my projects came about and what I teach my community and promote through my social media platforms. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So your father is a shining example of lifestyle medicine and Absolutely. how it can be applied to really yes. impact somebody's well-being very strongly. Well, let's talk about any challenges. I mean, it seems like this was not new to you. It was not new to your family. But when you were when you went back and you're like, you know, I want to adopt this for myself, for my own volition. Were you met with any challenges in that transition, especially whenever you wanted to enjoy some of your cultural ethnic foods? Yes, absolutely. And that is one of the reasons why I try to share and promote plant-based recipes that are traditionally meat heavy, right? Because I took it upon myself to recreate those recipes, to upgrade those recipes because I found it somewhat difficult at the beginning. Now we're talking seven, eight years. Now we are very lucky, especially for me, because I live in New York City, that we have in every corner, there's a new vegan restaurant, right? So that's wonderful. But back then, when I was first starting, these were very far and few in between. So I had to figure out how I was going to recreate these recipes because I did feel like I was missing out, especially in the holidays, especially with desserts and um, Puerto Rican um, drinks that we have during the holidays, like coquito, for example, right? It's like, how can I veganize this so that I don't feel like I'm missing out on my favorite cultural dishes? So it all started for me when I decided that I wanted to do this and I wanted to do it the right way, which is why I decided to go to nutrition school, because I really wanted to understand how food have an impact on our bodies, how food can be information for ourselves. And I wanted to do it the right way because I knew that eventually I wanted to share this with the world and with my immediate family. My daughter, Carolina, is now eight years old and has been vegan since, you know, she's she's never had any animal product. Um, she's been plant-based since she was born. And I wanted to make sure that I did it the right way. And education is such an important part of doing that. Because you want to make sure that you're giving not only yourself, but the people around you the best nutrition that you can. Absolutely. You wanted to do your due diligence and do it as best as you could so that you can serve yourself and those around you. That's beautiful. Right. Sounds like you are raising your daughter plant-based, but has it influenced anybody else in your family, any significant others, friends? How has your change and your your transition into this way of eating influenced your immediate circle? Yes. So I do have to say that my husband, Joe, is not 100% plant-based. He calls himself plant forward. And I have to 
I'd like to say that I take credit for that because he sees firsthand the powerful benefits of eliminating or reducing animal protein and how it can help with so many things from your sleep to your energy, to your cognitive function, to how you perform your day to day. So here in our house, we are strictly plant-based. When we go out, then in moderation, he feels like he can consume some animal protein, which is fine. The goal here is to eat more plants, right? So it's definitely influenced my my husband. My husband comes from a Italian background. And for years after we got together, my father-in-law jokingly would say, you're still not eating meat? Are you still not eating meat? And now when I go over there, there is so many more vegetables, desserts, usually have some kind of fruit salad option. And he takes pride in saying, hey, Carla, look, see, we have now more vegetables on the table. Whereas before it was very meat, meat heavy and cheese heavy and pasta heavy. And I would like to think that it's because of having that relationship and sharing as much as I can with them and just having them see that, yes, it is important to have some colors to eat the rainbow as, as part of a healthy lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just thinking of like traditional Italian food and of course, traditional Latin American food, because we think in our heads that it's just all meat, all animal products. But if you really think about it, when you go back in the day, a lot of these recipes were heavier in vegetables and we make it. And now it's just that mindset shift of like, okay, instead of making the vegetable, the sidekick, how can we make the vegetables and the plants the centerpiece? Exactly. And then if you want to have consumed some animal products, make that the garnish instead of like the main event, right? So it's just a little shift in the thinking that can make a huge difference for somebody. Absolutely. Going back to what you were saying about how our ancestors used to eat. I mean, having access to animal protein was not something that a lot of families had access to at all or very frequently. So it wasn't a matter of choice. It was a matter of necessity, right? We have more access to fruits and vegetables than we do to animal protein. So the center of the dishes, the base of the dishes in Puerto Rico, we have sofrito, which is the base of our dishes. And it's made up of peppers and cilantro and garlic and onion and olive oil, all of which are highly powerful in antioxidants and nutrients and are so good for you. And that's how we start a lot of these dishes. And now for a very important message. Hey mama, if you are feeling frustrated about mealtime battles, worried that your child isn't eating enough or eating enough vegetables, afraid that your child is going to get some awful deficiency or disease because of the lack of diversity in their diet, I wrote a book that might be for you. A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy is available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook through all major online booksellers. Did you know that most children are born with the innate ability to eat the appropriate amount of food to satisfy their hunger and support appropriate growth? Despite this, parents are still anxious and confused about how much and what to feed their children. In addition, many children are labeled as picky eaters or develop behaviors such as hiding and sneaking food. There's also a growing epidemic of dieting behaviors and eating disorders beginning at alarmingly young ages. In my book, you'll learn the five pillars of healthy eating, how to apply intuitive eating through all the stages of development, lifestyle habits that support healthy eating and body image, troubleshooting and problem solving for picky eaters, overeating and dieting behaviors, how to create and foster a healthy body image in your children, how exploring your own body image and relationship with food will help raise an intuitive eater and what foods to offer your child at different stages of development. A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy, available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook through all major online booksellers. Are you ready for a fresh approach to feeding your child? For more information, visit dryami.com forward slash book. And now back to the episode. 
we were vegetable centric. And the goal is to go back to that way of life. Yes. And it's so delicious. So it's it not is. like a sacrifice. <laughs> <No. you know? laughs> My mouth is watering just smelling the sofrito right now. It's mm-hmm. so amazing. Let's talk more about your book, Abuela's Plant-Based Kitchen. Such a yes. beautiful book. Thank so you. why did you write this book and who is it intended for? The idea behind this book was to share with the community that you don't have to give up on your favorite cultural dishes or flavors if you want to go plant-based, right? The message that I share with the community is usually if you choose to consume animal protein, that is a matter of personal choice, but don't feel like you have to. Having a meal that is colorful provides all the nutrients, the protein, the healthy fat, the fiber, the carbohydrates that the body needs in order to thrive. So I think the first approach was that really teaching and sharing with the community that you don't have to consume animal protein in order to be quote-unquote healthy. That vegetables could be the center of your plate and help you feel amazing. That was point one. The second point was, let me teach you how to recreate your favorite cultural dishes in a more plant-based way so that you don't feel restricted, right? And you can feel amazing while still enjoying the foods that bring you joy because food is meant to be enjoyed. It connects us to our ancestors. It connects us to our culture. It connects us to love and community. And when when somebody tells you, well, you can't have rice and beans because it's just not healthy right how i mean where's the where's the joy in that right so how can we recreate our favorite dishes so that they're plant-based and you can also feel like you can enjoy them with the rest of your family and feel amazing so that was what i wanted to do and i used my grandmother's recipes. And that was the inspiration behind the recipes that we were going to use for this book. And after that, then of course, we chose some other popular Latin and Caribbean dishes to make up the 75 recipes that are included in this cookbook. I love it. I love how, you know, definitely, especially in certain cultures, like we said before, we have this automatic feeling like, if I change my way of eating, we're, I'm not going to be able to eat any of my favorite foods. It's going to be isolating. My family's going to reject me. So can you talk a little bit more about that too? I mean, I love that you've written this book and you've made it easier for us, but do you have any tips about how to discuss this with family or how to gently introduce your way of eating whenever you're wanting to eat more plant-based with family members that may not understand this way of eating? Absolutely. I think that the best thing we can do is share our experience and encourage other people to taste the foods, right? A, I hear this all the time, you know, and the phrase, but yeah, I didn't miss the meat. I didn't miss the meat. And it's not until people actually try the dishes and experience for themselves that they can feel satiated and wonderful after consuming a plant-based dish that they realize, okay, I can do this, right? So the book is meant for that. The book is meant to be shared with other people so that you can make these recipes with your abuelita, your abuelito, los primos, your cousins, and get everybody in the kitchen because not only are these recipes popular recipes, but a lot of them are nostalgic recipes, right? So encouraging your family to join you in the kitchen, not only as a way of promoting a plant-based recipe, but also reminiscing over the memories that you may have had while making this dish at an earlier time, right? In, In Puerto Rico, we have a recipe that is very popular and one that I included in the book. It's called coquito. 
It's um, in English could be translated as Puerto Rican eggnog. It's a recipe that we consume during Christmas. And it's a recipe that takes time to make. And usually you make it in, in a group setting where somebody's responsible for guayando el coco, shredding the coconut, or making sure that you have the, the adequate milks, but in this case, plant-based milks. So, and you create memories, right? And you create long-standing um, memories, like I said, while doing that. So I wanted to include these recipes as a way of promoting it to all everybody around you so that they can taste it. And once you taste it, I mean, come on, like these dishes are so wonderful that I promise they're going to say things like, you don't miss the meat or this tastes just as delicious as the real thing. I can, I can get used to this. And that is how we plant the seed. And when you plant the seed, you allow others to become, to welcome the opportunity or the possibility of tasting something that maybe they wouldn't have wanted to taste before. Right. So that is what I promote. That is what I share with my community. It's like maybe for a second, just try to forget what you thought you knew about veganism or plant based eating and give it a try and give it a try while making recipes that are familiar to you that also have familiar flavors. Oh, that's so beautiful. And that just brought back so many memories. Like I said, I'm Panamanian and we do have so many recipes that we cook together because it's a lot of labor and it mm -hmm. just takes a lot of people, like especially a lot of our, our corn recipes. You have yes. to husk the corn and then get the corn off the cob and grind it, all these kinds of things. And it really brings people closer together. But I think what you said is so right in that sometimes people think about plant-based or vegan, and they're automatically thinking of the negative, right? They're thinking of like, how could something taste good without animal products? Or, you know, here in the United States, people commonly say, I'm not going to eat something that tastes like cardboard. But we know that that's not the case, right? So right. whenever you bring that food to other people and they taste it, it opens their mind because they're surprised. And that's what happens with my cooking classes too, is that people see these recipes so simple and they're like, I don't know. And they taste it and they're like, wow, yes. that's really good. I could, I could get used to this. And then people usually say stuff like, well, if you cooked for me all the time, then I could eat like this all the time. And be like, it's not that hard. You can do it. <laughs> you, know? Absolutely. So. you know, I'm not a trained chef. I'm a home cook. Right. So and I say this all the time. If I can do it, you can do it, too. You know, every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89 percent off USPS and UPS services. So your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over one million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code program for a four week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code program. Going back to what you just said about the simple recipes you share in your cooking classes, I have a recipe for ropa vieja in my book, which is shredded flank steak, the traditional way of making it. It's a Cuban, it's a Cuban dish. And we make it using trumpet mushrooms. And I too post cooking classes. And this is one of the last recipes that we made last month. And the community could not believe the consistency of the trumpet mushrooms in this recipe because everything else that was in the recipe is the traditional way of making it. Everything from the colorful peppers to the cumin, the oregano, the bay leaf, even a splash of red wine, right? Those are the traditional ingredients that go into the recipe. The only thing that we swapped was the flank steak for the trumpet mushrooms. And we had a lot of trumpet mushrooms, so it was meaty and hearty. And we served it with what is traditionally served with, which is a rocongri, which is just a mix of black beans and white rice and platanito maduro, which is ripe plantains. And the community was going wild. And they had the experience of making this in their own kitchens, we connect virtually and just going through the process of making this dish so they can see firsthand that they're not complicated recipes. It's doable. 
If you have 30 minutes and you have the right ingredients, which are not complicated, you can put dishes like this together in no time. And the family is going to love it. Yeah. And it's it's win, win, win because it's delicious. It's filling, it's satisfying, and you get this huge burst of fiber and antioxidants. But I'm dying over here thinking of that <laughs> recipe. And you're just like, and of course, then you add los platanitos maduros. maduros. I'm like, you're, you're putting me over the top. <laughs> Stop. I'm, I want to take your cooking classes too, because that sounds amazing. I love that. All right. Well, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about one of your key concepts that I want to learn more about. What do you mean by flipping your relationship with food? I love to use the word flip because it is a simple way of reminding the community that it's just a shift in the narrative, right? When we learn to see food as an opportunity to help our bodies thrive. Dr. Yami, you know this as a doctor, physician, and I'm sure you communicate this to the families that you work with, like when giving the right tools, the body is a self-healing machine. Right. So when you change your relationship with food in that you learn to see food as an opportunity to feel your best, then that is what I call flipping your relationship with food. Right. Allowing yourself to unlearn what you thought you knew about nutrition, which in some cases proves over and over again that it's not working. Right. And you learn to see food as medicine. Food as an opportunity to thrive and to heal and to feel amazing and to live a long, healthy life, that is what I call flipping your relationship with food. Learn to eat purposefully so that the choices that you make, the food that is on your plate is there to serve a purpose, to help you feel your best, right? I say this to my community all the time. What is at the end of your fork can either transform your health or completely or completely destroy it. What do you choose to day, right? Look at your plate. How many colors does it have? If it has three to five colors, that meal is a delicious meal that's going to help you feel full and satisfied. But if the meal is bland or overly processed, you'll be hungry in two hours, right? Reaching for the next best thing. So when we flip our relationship and start romanticizing ourselves with what is on our plate as a way of feeling our best and becoming more healthy, then that is what I call flipping our relationship with food. I mean, I could just talk about this forever because I have such a love affair with with food, right? It's the tool that helps me feel my best, right? Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. I love that you use that word romanticize because you're using it in a way almost to emphasize this identity change that is needed when we're making some of these transitions. And also, I think one of the negative things that happens to us in our society is seeing this relationship with food as a good, bad, sort of evil, you know, conflict. I'm just bad. But instead, focusing on the positive, how can I make this meal the most rich in nutrients and antioxidants and fiber so that I can fuel my body? It's going to be delicious. I'm going to enjoy it, but it's also going to promote my health and well being. It can be done, but it does require that mindset shift, that paradigm shift that you're helping people go through. So I just love that you're doing that. Absolutely. One, one other thing that is important to note is society has just, like you said, Dr. Yami, demonized food. I mean, I shared a recipe for cerrito de maíz, which is corn fritters we make um, in Puerto mm. Rico quite often. and We do too. I, we love them. I, I love how <laughs> our dishes cross. Like, I just, I love that. You see, this is, this is what it's all about. This is what it's all about. And I had questions from the community about corn, you know, um, I was told corn is not digested and that it spikes your blood sugar levels. And that corn has been a staple in Latin and Caribbean dishes since the beginning of time. And for some reason, somewhere along the line, someone said that it's not good for you. And all of a sudden we omitted it from our diet. So rather than continuing to remove things from our plate, why don't we change the narrative, flip the relationship with our food, and think about all the wonderful foods that we can add, right? So it becomes an abundance mindset rather than a restrictive mindset. 
Yeah. And the same thing happens with our white rice. You know, yes. I know for a long time I was, I was down on my mom be like, you need to eat brown rice. You need to eat brown rice. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, she grew up eating white rice longer than I did. And that was like her favorite. But yeah. then if you actually look at the studies and look at what's increasing diabetes in people, it's not white rice. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like we've no, just, course. we've just pointed to white rice. We've pointed to potatoes as like, these are the villains, but really it's not. And when we eat rice, it's not like we're just eating rice by itself. We're exactly. eating it with other things. We're eating it with other sources of fiber and antioxidants. And so I think all of that needs to be taken into account as well. So Absolutely. thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. Well, where do you think that your clients struggle with the most when they're making strides to eat more whole plant foods? With this narrative that the plate has to be filled with animal protein. The animal mm. protein mentality is one of the most commonly asked questions and concerns for my community. Really mm -hmm. understanding that you can get your daily amount of protein through eating plant diversity, right? And just not only explaining this to them, but really helping them understand that it is a healthy way of life. And that is something that's really, that comes up a lot with my clients and during our cooking classes. It's, well, where am I getting the protein from? And really taking the time to explain to them how it really works, right? You know, America's obsession with protein is actually hurting us and not really helping us, right? We have totally forgotten about fiber and the main focus is protein, 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 right? So, you know, helping them understand and accept that we can achieve our daily recommended dose of protein, which is really important, right? We're not neglecting that. It's building blocks of a healthy, of a healthy body, but we can achieve that through a plant-based colorful diet. So that I think is one of the most, like I said, commonly asked questions and concerns in the community um, as well. So the things like uh, vitamin B12 or iron, right, is also something that comes up a lot in which, you know, we talk about if you're going to be 100% vegan, right, then maybe you should consult with your doctor first, but maybe taking a vitamin B12 supplement could be something that you can do. But iron, I mean, you know, just adding citrus to the iron-rich plant foods that you're eating is going to help your body absorb them better. Hey, are you kind of curious about microgreens and including microgreens in your diet, but you're not sure where to start and you're not sure how to do it? I love my Hamama microgreen grower. It's so easy, it's so convenient. So this is how it works. Basically, they send you the kit and it has this little seed quilt, okay? And then you soak the seed quilt in the water and in a few days, you see your tiny little baby sprouts growing and a few days after that, you can start eating them and it's so fun. And you can tell them that you're eating them and they're really happy that you're eating them and your body's really happy that you're eating them. But here's the best part because I've told y'all before, I'm lazy. So I don't wanna have to use any mental energy that I don't need to. And they send you seed quilts every month. So you don't run out, you can change what seed quilts you want to try. So here's some examples of some of the seed quilts they have. Hearty broccoli, refreshing cabbage, energizing kale, spicy daikon radish, super salad mix. You can even get wheatgrass, you can get culinary cilantro, or even hot wasabi mustard. So there's lots to choose from. They have different flavors. They're so cute and they're health promoting. So you can get a good dose of antioxidants and it's really beautiful. I also use them for garnish when I'm making soups and salads and different bowls. You can impress your guests. But like I said, it's going to be low energy cost on your part. And it's actually not that expensive either. The other thing that I use from Hamama is a green onion growing kit, which is really cool because it can decrease your food waste. So you buy the green onions and then the little part that has the root, the white part at the bottom, you stick it in these little holes and you just put the water in there and it grows. And then you can keep eating the same green onions. You just go with your little scissors and you chop it off and you put it into your food. So if you wanna give it a try, you've been curious about 
microgreens and different ways that you can grow your own food, check out Hamama. You can find it in my show notes for a link to get 15% off, or you can go to dryami.com forward slash shop so that you can find the link and get 15% off your first order. Happy growing. Do you love Veggie Doctor Radio, but you're sick of listening to ads? Join the Plantscription. The Plantscription is a monthly membership where you have access to ad-free episodes of Veggie Doctor Radio every week. But that's not all. You also have access to a monthly live Q&A with me and a monthly live book club. You also get access to writings and musings and free giveaways. It is such a great deal. Right now, it's only $5 a month to join the Planscription. If you want to join, go to planscription.substack.com or go to the show notes to follow the link. Join the Planscription today and join me in this plantastic community. Just sharing the knowledge and sharing as much education, science-backed education, right, as we can, and, and, and delicious recipes, because that's the fun part, right? I mean, I, I as a plant-based health coach, turn to a specialist um, and experts like you, Dr. Yami, and others in the plant-based world for that science-backed information that is needed to back up the arguments that I make. But I make it fun, too. I'm like, all right, now we're going to cook ropa vieja. Now we're going to make pasteles, because that is also fun, right? Food brings us joy. It's laughter. It's celebration. So, but yeah, I think that the... Um, the nutrient deficiencies and those questions are something that is that we I talk and share a lot about. Also soy. I mean, that right there, it's like, is it healthy to eat soy? You know, is it going to be bad for my young children? And debunking those myths, like I said, again, through science-backed information and research that, you know, can be shared with the community, but, but yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's again, flipping the narrative, helping people unlearn what they thought they knew about nutrition and implement change. And, you know, I, I say to the community all the time, give me a week, give me 10 days of eating plant-based and I guarantee you're going to feel the change. You're going to feel the change. Absolutely. That is really powerful stuff. Yeah, absolutely. No, I hear you on those because obviously I get all the same questions and I find it super ironic because when we're eating the standard American diet, I feel like it's either we're filtering out or I guess because so many people are eating the standard American diet that you're not focusing on some of the disadvantages on that. But then as soon as you start thinking about eating plant-based, whether it's predominantly or full plant-based, the human brain wants to focus on the fear, right? Like, well, I heard you know, you could get this deficient. Most people don't even understand what the signs and symptoms would be of that or what would happen. Like they don't, they just know this might happen. And so I'm afraid of that. And that's the way that the human brain is wired, you know? Yeah. So I think it's normal, but I think it's really funny and ironic because nobody's nobody's talking about this number one deficiency that we have in the standard American diet, which is fiber. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, nobody talks about the danger of fiber deficiency, right. you know, and how important it is to have fiber for our well-being and our health and our longevity and all of that. So, so yeah, it's important to address all of these issues, but yes, they keep coming up again and again and again. They do. I would love to know, what do you wish more people knew? That is a very good question. One of the things that I wish more people knew is that food has the power to transform your life. Food can help you live a long, healthy life, can re help reduce the risk of food-related illnesses in the Latin community. There is such a high percentage of people that suffer from type 2 diabetes. As I'm sure you talk to your community as well, these are things that could be reversed or avoided if a more plant-based, holistic, natural way of life is implemented, right? And 
I wish more people knew that, which is why I wrote the book. I wanted the book to be fun and exciting, but I wanted the book to be also educational. So in the intro paragraphs of each recipe, I highlight the nutrient density of the star ingredient in the book because knowledge is power. The more you know about the health benefits of what is at the end of your fork, the more inclined you will be to remember that. And then when you're at the supermarket, say, oh, yeah, I read somewhere or, you know, Carla said or Dr. Yami said that if I incorporate more garbanzo beans, it's a great source of protein and fiber, for example. Right. So if you share that with the community, right, and just give them as much knowledge and education and information, then I really do feel like we have the power to make a change, right? And that is my goal. That is my goal every day when I show up on social media, when I, you know, share my recipes, when I show up on podcasts and through my book, it's that. Like, let's change a relationship with food. Let's, you know, without giving up what brings us joy, right? These these flavors. But really in doing that, I mean, we can just make so much positive change, so much positive change. That's beautiful. And yes, you definitely are. So I thank you for that. And I'm grateful for the work that you're doing because it's definitely needed. Do you have a morning routine? And if so, can you share it with us? I do. I do. I do. I am a morning person. And I have to say that I'm the only one in my family that does. My husband <laughs> reminds me of that every single day. <laughs> but I, I wake up early for a few reasons. I wake up early because I like to just reflect on the day ahead and set my intentions. Um, I like to... Um, have my water and lemon and um, minerals in the morning I, as a way of flushing out our, our organs in the morning. I do my meditation, like I said, set my intentions, have some kind of movement in the morning. It could be something as um, simple as a flow or a stretch, but definitely get some movement in there. And then I reach for a healthy smoothie before I have to wake up my family and get ready for the day. But I think setting the intention for the day is a really powerful tool that sets you up for a successful day. So I take that very seriously in the morning. And for me, that means carving out interrupted time before the craziness of the day begins. So yes, that is my morning routine. Absolutely. It's nice to have that quiet time to yourself to just wake up and get ready for the day and feel your body, get into your body. So I agree. I'm a morning person too. Yes. And it's nice to <laughs> nice when everybody else is asleep and it's quiet in the house and you can just do your thing. Well, Carla, this has been fabulous. I know that my listeners are definitely going to want to reach out to you, see what you have to offer and also purchase your book. So tell us where we can connect with you, where we can find your book and what other products and services you offer. Yes. So you can connect with me through my social media. It's the same name across all platforms and it's the Latina health coach. You can purchase the book at all major bookstores nationwide. So Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, um, um, IndieBound, Target, and Walmart. You can you can pre-order a copy. The official launch date of the book is April 4th of 2023. And the services that I offer my community is we do one-on-one -on -one coaching, we do monthly cooking classes, and we, you know, they, they have a window into my day-to-day -day because this is not only my job. This is my way of life. This is my motivation. And this is what my passion is. And I, I, I know that it, you know, that my listeners and my community can see that I share everything from highs and lows. And, you know, what I aim to do by sharing that is that you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have a perfect plant-based, um, meal every single day, right? It's okay to be imperfect. It's okay to start over. But if your intentions are in the right place and your motivation is there, right? Your that community is there, it is achievable. So I welcome your community to join my community. We have a lot of fun. We laugh, we cook together, we share funny stories. And most importantly, we build this wonderful community because as you know, when you connect with people that are like you, the chances of your reaching your goals becomes higher and higher every single day. So thank you so much for the opportunity, Dr. Yami. It has been such a pleasure.
Yes. Oh, yes. That collective energy, that collective wisdom. We can do so much more together than we can do alone. So it's very nice to have you in this space. All right. Well, I want you to leave us with just a little bit more information before you go. So last question, give us your number one tip for people that want to start flipping their relationship with food. Where can they start? My number one tip is don't start with complicated recipes. It is a huge turnoff, right? Yes, there are wonderful vegan recipes like vegan cheesecake or um, some kind of custard, but it will require you most likely to have ingredients that you probably have never heard of yet if you're just starting. So I always recommend start with the recipes that you are comfortable making and swap out the meat. For example, bolognese is a really great recipe that is easily interchangeable. Substitute the ground meat for mushrooms and walnuts, or you can do cauliflower rice and mushrooms, right? So simple switches until you start to feel confident and comfortable enough to take it to the next step. And that's when I say, okay, if you want to experiment with more complicated recipes, but it has been my experience with my community that if you start off with recipes that are too convoluted, too complicated, you're not, you're going to lose all interest. So start small. Another thing is you don't have to implement this lifestyle all at once. You don't have to go cold turkey. You can say, I'm going to eat a plant-based meal three days out of the week or Monday through Thursday, I'm going to eat plant-based, right? So start small and be kind to yourself. You have years and years and years of, of these patterns of behavior and it's not going to change overnight. If you allow yourself the opportunity to be perfectly imperfect, you will reach a level of success way faster. Yeah, uh, such wise tips. And I 100% agree. I don't think most people are ready to go 100% in right away. They just kind of want to baby step their way into it. And that's completely fine. And I also agree that what happens to a lot of people is they go on social media and they see these recipes that are beautiful. And of yes. course, they taste delicious. Yes. But they're like chef level, <laughs> know, like, you know, yes. chef level things that even like I am lazy to make. <laughs> so yes. and if you're thinking, okay, am I going to have to cook like this all the time? You're going to give up because Absolutely. it's going to seem too hard and unattainable. And honestly, for most of us that eat plant-based, we're eating simple. You know, we're yes. just having a smoothie or oatmeal, rice and beans, y'all, yes. rice and beans rice with and veggies, beans. like really Absolutely. that simple, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so it's totally fine. And I love the idea of taking what you already know and then just swapping because you're already familiar, you're comfortable with that. And then you're going to see how delicious it is and how sometimes you don't even tell the difference. Another idea for the bolognese is lentils. So put yes, in some lentejas lentils. instead of the meat. And oh, I love the consistency of that. So delicious. Lentils is so great. And back to your point, Dr. Yami, about overcomplicating things. It's, you know, it, it becomes a bit overwhelming if, if you just deep dive into that. And I took that into consideration when I put these recipes together. The recipes in this book come together in 30 minutes or less. They're made with ingredients that you probably already have in your kitchen. There's nothing complicated. There isn't an ingredient, or maybe there's one ingredient that you probably are not familiar with, but out of the 75 recipes, it's meant to be easy to follow so that you can feel confident in repeating these recipes over and over again, and then flipping them a bit even more and giving them your personal touch as well, yes. right? That's yes. the goal here. Make them your own, but I'm giving you kind of like the blueprint. And then you can take that and you can run with it. And I promise you, it's going to be completely life-changing. Yes. Oh, that is so important. So relevant. Perfect. Carla Salinari, thank you so much for being a guest on Veggie Doctor Radio. What a pleasure it has been to meet you and to see the work that you're doing. I wish you the very best of luck and I hope that you have a very plantastic day. Thank you so much, Dr. Yami. I will see you soon. Thank you. 
Hey, veggie lover, I hope that you loved today's episode. Will you take a second and do me a huge favor? Please subscribe to my podcast so that you never miss an episode. You're the reason I'm here and I want to share it all with you. Thank you for listening and have a plantastic day.